You settle down for the night, the darkness reaching the window. You look at your new purchase, a brilliant find, a painting to hang in the place you always wanted, a nice painting. The low price was just the icing on the cake. As you look at the face of the girl in the painting, you freeze in your chair. The girl winks back at you and her smile turns evil. There is a scratching sound coming from the frame. The girl is trying to get out. Welcome to the Dark Whales Tours podcast with me, Matthew Rose. As we saw last season, supernatural beings can reside in everyday objects. And while I have already talked about the Welsh law on vampire chairs and vampire beds, they are not the only objects that can hold demonic spirits. Throughout the world there are glass boxes in dark corners, and within those glass boxes there are children's toys, dolls. These dolls seem harmless, and if it wasn't for the signs warning of the dangers, you might be tempted to open the case and unleash the evil into the world. Hanging on the walls of country estates, museums and ordinary houses are paintings depicting crying children, scenes of wild animals and countryside landscapes that hold dark, sinister secrets, cause fires and draw the life out of the ones who gaze upon them. You never know if the ordinary objects around you are truly inanimate or if there is something inside waiting, watching as you go about your business. In Wales, we have our fair share of haunted and cursed objects. These include our own stories of haunted dolls. In Ruthin, North Wales, there is an old timber townhouse called Nantloide Dre. The house dates from 1435 and has been used as a home, a school for girls, a rectory, a lodge for judges, and finally it was opened up as a museum in 2007 by Denbyshire County Council. There have been many reports of ghosts being seen throughout the building over the years, so much so that it has caught the attention of ghost hunters and paranormal investigators alike. It was during one of these investigations where the Grace doll they had brought with them to attract spirits was knocked off a chair and started to behave strangely. Upon returning to the investigator's base, the doll began to move on its own. This prompted the team to perform an emergency investigation on the doll to determine what was going on. This consisted of an interview with the team asked the doll a series of questions and recorded the doll to see if it answered. When asked where it came from, the doll replied, Ruthen. It seems that a spirit from Ruthen had attached itself to the doll and was now using it to communicate with the investigators. The team then asked further questions to determine what the spirit wanted with the doll When asked, what do you want, a voice came through saying, your eyes, I want to burn your eyes. 
This was enough for the investigators to decide they needed to place the Grace doll in a glass case in order to protect everyone from the spirit's sinister intentions. The glass case was in a secret location. The woman who owned the selected place reported hearing a lady scream coming from the glass case and a voice saying, release. Knocks have also been heard coming from the case, three knocks at a time. The investigators drew a chalk circle around the case and found that the case was actually moving around. Could it be that the spirit from Nantcloy de Dre has now attached itself to the doll and refuses to leave, using the doll as a conduit? The Grace doll is not the only doll in the world that seems to have become the home to a spirit. In Florida, USA, it is a doll dressed in a sailor's uniform, sat in a glass case, with notes from members of the public asking for his forgiveness posted all around him. The doll is named after his original owner, Robert Eugene Otto, who usually went by Jean. Robert the doll was given as a gift in 1904 to Jean by his grandfather, who had just returned from a trip to Germany. The doll can be traced to the Stafe Company, the same toy maker that first manufactured a teddy bear in honor of President Theodore Roosevelt. Robert the doll was most likely never intended to be sold as a toy, probably being part of a set fabricated for a window display of clowns and jesters. The sailor's uniform that Robert is wearing is believed to have been a childhood outfit for Jean that was then passed down to Robert the doll. The stories of Robert the doll's mischievous behavior began almost straight away when Jean would blame the doll for misdeeds that his parents attributed to Jean. These misdeeds included furniture being overturned, other toys being mutilated, and strange sounds coming from seemingly empty rooms. One night, Jean was awoken to find Robert the doll sitting at the end of his bed, staring at him with his dark eyes. Jean's mother was, moments later, awakened by the screams of help and the sounds of furniture being overturned in her son's bedroom. Jean cried for help, begging his mother to rescue him. When she finally was able to wrench the locked door open, she saw poor Jean curled up in fear on his bed. His room was a shambles, and Robert the doll was sitting at the foot of the bed. The answer of Robert did it was all the little boy could say on the matter, and those three words would become almost Jean's childhood motto. Jean's attachment to Robert the doll did not end when his childhood did. The pair became inseparable, even into Jean's adulthood. There are reports of him talking to the doll as if he were a living person. Jean grew up to become an eccentric artist and lived in a grand mansion which became known as the artist's house, with his constant companion, Robert the doll. Robert could always be seen in an upstairs window looking out, watching the world go by. 
Local school children would note that he would change position and would sometimes disappear from view altogether. They became so unnerved by the doll that they avoided the house as best they could. Jean Otto died in 1974 and the house along with Robert the doll was purchased by Myrtle Ruter. Over the years Myrtle and her guests reported hearing footsteps in the attic. They also heard eerie giggling which they said sounded like a boy and Myrtle noted that Robert seemed to move around the house on his own accord. Whenever anyone would badmouth Jean in Robert's presence it was said that his facial expression would change and become angry. The person who had said it would then be the victim of a series of strange and unfortunate events which would not stop until they had apologised to Robert. After enduring this for 20 years, Myrtle Ruta donated Robert to the Fort East Martello Museum in Florida. This was the beginning of Robert's international fame, as stories of his mysterious behaviour travelled from person to person. Visitors have flocked to see this supposed haunted doll. He has his own social media accounts and has been the topic of various books, episodes of paranormal TV series and his own movies. People also write to him. The museum has revealed that Robert receives one to three letters every day. Most people write apologies as many visitors attribute post-visit misfortunes to failing to respect or even openly disrespecting Robert and they then write begging forgiveness. Others ask him for advice or to hex those who have wronged them. People have also sent him food, sweets and mints in order to get on his good side. Also, staying on the side of caution, the museum staff never consume treats sent to Robert. It is also known that if you want a photograph with Robert, always ask his permission first. If you don't, then at best the photo won't take or will come out blank. At worst, you will take the fury of Robert with you until you apologise for your impertinent behaviour. Are the stories surrounding Robert the doll just the leftovers of an overactive child's imagination? Or is there something more to all the superstition? Through all the stories of Robert and his exploits, no one has determined whether the doll was a conduit for the spirit that inhabited the house, or if something far worse took over the doll when he arrived in the hands of little Jean Otto. However, the most famous and notorious haunted and cursed doll is probably Annabelle, the doll that was the subject of a series of films based on real events. The films depict Annabelle as a very creepy-looking China doll with a sinister smile and evil eyes. However, the real Annabelle, still locked away in the basement museum of paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, is a Raggedy Ann doll with big red hair, a broad smile and a floppy body, her head leaning on the glass of her cage. The sign on the glass case reads, Warning, positively do not open. 
an eerie warning of the danger the doll is believed to possess. Such is the belief of the doll's power that during 2020, the Warren's son-in-law shared a video on social media where he went to his late in-law's museum to prove that Annabelle had not escaped and caused the worldwide pandemic as punishment for locking her away. The story of Annabelle starts in 1970. For her 25th birthday, Deidre Bernard was given a Raggedy Ann doll by her mother. With his large head, messy red hair and huge black eyes, the doll was a hit and an instant favourite. Deidre took the doll with her when she enrolled as a student nurse, and with her friend, also a student nurse, Lara Clifton, moved into an apartment together. Deidre would keep the doll in her room and place her on the bed in the morning, only to come home hours later to find that the doll was not in the same position that she had left it in. Sometimes the arms were folded and resting on the doll's lap. Other times the doll's legs were crossed and sometimes the doll's arms would appear to be gesturing some unknown thing. As more time passed, the doll began to demonstrate peculiar abilities. It would seemingly move on its own from room to room. The girls never saw it move or heard it move, it just silently went from room to room, as if it were exploring the apartment. One evening, the girls, along with Lara's boyfriend Carl, arrived back at the apartment to find the doll kneeling on a chair in front of the door, its eyes glaring at them, almost as if to say, you left me alone too long. The group were understandably startled. After moving the chair and placing the doll back in Deidre's room, they each tried to make the doll recreate the kneeling position, but without luck. Raggedy Ann dolls have no joints, so every time they let go of the doll, it would simply fall down. So how had it been kneeling on the chair when they came home? Who, or rather what, had been holding it up. Not wanting to let their fear get the better of them, the girls carried on their daily routine. This, however, seemed impossible as the girls started finding handwritten notes around the apartment. Notes written in a child's handwriting, in pencil. It was the messages on the notes, help us, that caused the girls to accept their fear of the doll. Thinking of a possible explanation, someone could be breaking in to play a trick on them perhaps, the girls placed marks around the windows and doors and moved the furniture around so they might catch signs of any intruder, but all to no avail. Then one day Deidre returned to find the doll's hands covered in blood, with more blood spots on his chest. This was too much for the girls and they decided to consult a medium. During the visit, the medium said that the doll had become a vessel of a little girl spirit called Annabelle. The girl, through the medium, told her story. She had been living nearby before the apartment block had been built. She used to love playing in the fields and had met a sudden 
and tragic death, the circumstances of which she would not divulge. Annabelle had carried on playing in the field, and when the apartment block was built on top of the very field she died in, she would roam the corridors and rooms looking for playmates. However, modern life is busy and hectic, and people are rarely home for more than a few hours in the morning and at night. Then, these two young girls moved in, one bringing with them the Raggedy Ann doll that Annabelle could play with. Deidre and Lara were moved by Annabelle's story, and when the spirit of the little girl asked for the permission to fully possess the doll and live with them permanently, they both, naively, said yes, a decision they would quickly come to regret. After the medium left, Deidre and Lara started to treat the doll as if it were real, talking to it and waiting for a reply, carrying it around the apartment so it wouldn't get bored in one room, and finally naming it Annabelle after the spirit who now had full control of the doll. All this was too much for Lara's boyfriend Carl, who said that if there was a spirit possessing the doll, it wasn't good or sweet and was only going to try to control the girls. Carl's mistake was to say this in front of Annabelle. That night, Carl was awoken by the feeling something had climbed onto the bed. As he opened his eyes, he was confronted by the dark, empty eyes of Annabelle the doll looming over him. Before he could react, Annabelle's hands were around his neck, squeezing the life out of him. He tried to throw the doll off, but he found that the doll had unnatural strength. Eventually, he did manage to free himself, but when he woke Lara, the doll had gone and was found in Deidre's room, in the very same position it had been before they went to sleep. Annabelle, it seems, had identified her first victim. The next night, Deidre was out of the apartment and Lara and Carl were sat watching TV. They suddenly heard a banging coming from Deidre's room, so Cal got up to investigate. Upon entering the room, Cal saw that the only disturbance he could see was that Annabelle had been thrown into the corner of the room and was now lying on the floor. Cal went over to pick up the doll and return it to the bed. As he was about to bend over and pick it up, he suddenly was overcome with pain, the feeling of sharp claws digging into his skin and tearing his chest. His screams alerted Lara, who rushed into the room to find him on the floor, his chest covered in blood with claw marks covering his torso. Lara acted quickly and was able to stop the flow of blood and Carl recovered, but this attack could not be ignored, and the girls agreed to call a priest for help. The priest they contacted, in turn, contacted his superiors, who then went on to contact renowned demonologists Ed and Marie Warren. The Warrens went into the apartment and listened to the girls' accounts of what the doll had done, and also the story of Annabelle that the medium had recounted to them. Immediately, the Warrens claimed that the story of Annabelle 
the innocent but playful ghost of a little girl was false, a trick that had been played on the girl's emotions. The medium, unbeknownst to her, had been tricked by a demon who used the medium to gain permission to possess the doll, which had allowed it to fully enter our world. When the girls had said yes to Annabelle, they had not only given permission for the demon to take over the doll, but they had enabled it to do physical harm, and if the Warrens had not got involved, they said that the girls and Carl would have been dead within a week. Ed and Lorraine called the priest to perform an exorcism on the apartment in order to block the powers of the demon, now permanently attached to the doll. To make sure they were safe, Deidre asked the Warrens to take the doll with them, which they did. The doll was placed on the back seat of the Warrens' car, and during the drive back to their house, the car stalled three times, and according to Ed, an invisible force tried to take over and cause the car to crash. After the car stalled for the third time, Ed went into his bag, pulled out a flask of holy water and threw it onto the doll. This allowed the Warrens to drive home undisturbed. When the Warrens arrived home, Ed placed Annabelle on a chair in his office, thinking that the demon would be contained by the holy water. However, when a priest visited the couple and was told of the story of the doll, he picked up Annabelle and said to the doll, You are just a doll and cannot hurt anyone. He laughed as he put the doll down. In a very serious tone, Ed Warren warned the priest to not do that again, as he wouldn't want to provoke the demon. As the priest left, Lorraine told him to drive carefully, as she foresaw a terrible disaster. The priest started his drive home. He never arrived. During the drive, the car veered off the road and the priest was killed. After a series of more unexplained events, the Warrens decided the best course of action was to lock Annabelle away within the museum. And that is where Annabelle remains to this very day. So what is the truth behind this seemingly unbelievable series of events? The fact that there is a Raggedy Ann doll named Annabelle inside a glass case with a sign saying, warning, positively do not open, within the Warren's Museum is undeniable. As I mentioned earlier, the Warren's son-in-law recently shared a video of it as proof that it is there. However, that in itself does not prove the rest of the story. Researching the history of Annabelle, the details suddenly become confused, mixed up and sometimes completely different. One key example of this is the name of the original owner of Annabelle, Deidre. In some versions, such as The Conjuring film, she is called Debbie, and in some, Donna. Like many events in the lives of the Warrens, we only have their own account on what happened and their own reasons behind them. There is rarely any photographic or film evidence to back up their claims, and they always seemed to believe people without question when it came to paranormal experiences. Throughout their lives, they had many followers and many critics. 
They made a lot of money giving talks and interviews and investigating the paranormal. Yet they always maintained to the dying days that the supernatural was and is real, and that demons, like Annabelle, should be feared and contained and never made fun of. The consequences could be fatal. There is a doll in the nursery at Cardiff Castle, and when we've been there on our ghost tours, people have said that they are drawn to it and it gives off an eerie vibe. On top of that, every time we walk into the nursery, it seems to have moved position. Now this could be the staff during the day, or the cleaners perhaps, moving it around. Or could it be there is something more to the doll that resides in Cardiff Castle's nursery? There is a picture of this doll on our social media pages that you can see. It is not just dolls that can possess deadly powers and sinister histories. Paintings also bring with them bad luck, hidden demons and leave fire and devastation in their wake. During the 1980s a number of seemingly mysterious fires made the news as there was a common factor in all the fires, a painting that survived unscathed. The painting called Crying Boy shows a little boy shedding a single tear. The painting became a hit and was seen in many houses in the 1980s. It was the must-have painting to have in your home. After a few houses had gone up in flames with the only link being the painting which had survived even as everything around it burned, the media began to report on the painting's supposed supernatural ability to always survive fires. As more and more fires began to consume homes, leaving the crying boy painting unharmed, people began to question whether the fires were coincidental or if the painting actually harboured a vengeful spirit. Stories started to circulate on the painting's history. Who was this boy? A story started going around saying that the boy had been a real boy that had died in a fire and he then possessed the painting and its copies that had caused all of the fires. Another story was that the painter had mistreated the child while painting and the fires were revenge for this mistreatment. The newspaper The Sun ran a campaign where they asked readers to send them their copies of the painting in order to break the curse. The newspaper was sent 2,500 copies of the painting, which they proceeded to burn. In true sun style, they used the page three girls to feed the paintings into the bonfire with great publicity. However, it turns out there was a very practical reason this painting survived the fires. All the prints were made of high density hardboard, which is very hard to ignite, and was done in order to protect it from fires. The investigations into the fires found that all of them had logical explanations and were mainly the result of human error. Though the fires eventually stopped, the crying boy painting still remains a sinister looking painting. I myself find it incredibly creepy to look at. There are some paintings that hold such power and belief in their curses is so strong that at times they are covered up to stop them 
causing harm. One such painting hangs in the University of London's Royal Holloway. The painting in question is titled Man Proposes, God Disposes and was painted by Edwin Landseer. It depicts a group of polar bears feasting on a corpse of an animal they have just killed. The violence the painting shows would put many people off it to begin with, but there is something about the painting that sends shivers down the spine of anyone who looks upon it. It so happens that the room where the painting hangs is also a room full of tension, anxiety and stress. It is the room where exams are taken. During times when there are exams in progress, the painting is covered up using a union flag to prevent the curse from getting out and affecting the students. The origin of this belief comes from an urban legend that says in the 1970s there was a student who was sitting an important exam. They had revised for it and they were as prepared as they could ever have been. The student's exam table was right next to the painting. During the exam, the student looked at the painting and couldn't take his eyes off it. Apparently held in a trance, the student then turned back to his exam paper and wrote down one sentence and went back to staring at the painting. After the exam finished, the student got up, walked out the room and went straight to their room. Their body was found the next day. After the verdict of suicide had been given, the teachers looked back through the exam to see if the student had left any message or warning that they were going to commit suicide. It was then they saw the final sentence the student had written. The polar bears made me do it. Knowing at once what polar bears the student was referring to, the decision was made to make sure the painting was covered up for every exam from then on. Whether this is a true story or not, no one really knows. It is an urban legend. However, the university doesn't take any chances and still covers up the painting during exams. Students believe it is very unlucky to have the seat next to the painting and the person who does will not do well in the exam they are sitting, no matter how much revision is done. There are some objects that have been found within old Welsh and British homes that were purposely hidden from sight. These objects, otherwise known as witch bottles, were prepared to ward off evil spirits and to force witches to remove any spells they have placed on the homeowner. The contents of the bottles, which are all rather consistent, include bent nails, bits of hair and human urine. The idea was that it would cause pain to the witch whenever she tried to pass water and would then remove any spells to make the pain stop. There are accounts that after the bottles were buried within the home, a witch would bang on the door, clearly in pain, begging to be released. So consistent are the ingredients of these witch bottles throughout Wales and the rest of Britain, that whenever a bottle is found buried within an ancient home, Archaeologists always know exactly what they will find within. It is also thought, here in Wales, the Swansea Bay War Museum holds many supposed 
haunted objects, including a wedding dress with a strange energy attached to it, and a set of wooden chairs where the ghostly figures of an elderly couple have been witnessed sitting in. Investigators have reported many peculiar experiences, from phantom figures, strange shadows, and the sound of an unknown male voice picked up on a recording a few years ago at the museum. Do these objects have the ability to hold or attract demonic entities, allowing them to enter into our world? Or could it be perhaps, as we have explored in other episodes, the energy of the deceased remains attached to these objects, remnants of that person still lingering in our world? Whether in grand institutions, grand country estates, or ordinary council houses, cursed and possessed objects can find their way into our lives in various ways. Walking around an antique shop or a car boot sale, when you see an old object that catches your eye and seems to call out to you, beware, it may actually be calling out for you. The demon or spirit residing inside just waiting for you to take it home and give it permission to haunt you forever after. If you have your own stories of ghostly sightings, strange occurrences, or are interested in learning about a specific part of Welsh history, then please email us on darkwales at hotmail.com. Please review and share this podcast and be sure to follow Dark Wales Tours on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to visit www.darkwalestours.co.uk for news, information and updates on the physical ghost tours we conduct around St Fagan's National Museum of History and Cardiff Castle. Until next time, Diolchen Vaur. Thank you very much. The Dark Wales Tours podcast is produced and delivered by Matthew Rose and Luke Orcock owners of Dark Wales Tours.